Greetings, Alpha Seekers. Welcome to Nugent Ventures. And today, just so you know, is kind of uh, catch up over the weekend. Uh, and I use this podcast since it's basically it's close, close to talking to myself as it gets without getting arrested. But you know what? You can talk to yourself now walking down the street and everybody thinks you're on the phone. So just get some earbuds and then you can just mutter and stutter. And of course, you know, it used to be that if you looked a little goofy, they'd throw you in the nuthouse. But I I was reminded the other day of a song from the 60s called They're Coming to Take Me Away. Uh, to the funny farm. Well, they can't do that anymore. So, you know. And the world has gotten to be a lot crazier, in my opinion, since that song was popular. So you fit right in with the rest of the nuts. So anyway, um, I digress. But this is sort of just uh, potpourri from the Tribune and some other publications that I've digested. And this is what I've pulled out as kernels of wisdom. Lorraine Newman, name from the past, from Saturday Night Live. I always thought it was very good. Um... You know, and the wokesters and rebels of the 70s are now the, like, you know, conservative boomers. The, the If you're not woke, uh, you're called a sheeple because you're like a sheep, you know, following a shepherd. And in this case, you're following the evil Republicans or the evil corporations or whatever you're following that, you know, involves some sort of enlightened or not self-interest i saw a thing that said a meme on facebook and by the way i have decided to stop trolling progressive facebook accounts because the stuff i'm seeing from the conservatives is even stupider than the stuff i see from the progressives so i figured to be you know you know equal equal protection under the law of nugent i'm just not gonna troll any of them you know and that'll save me a lot of time and energy so anyway but i can't fight a if there's anything i learned from taking german in high school it's like don't fight a two-front war and i i can't alienate both sides of the political aisle so i give up um now you know maybe i'm the one who's wrong i don't know it's happened many times in the past but anyway uh they did a Q&A because Lorraine Newman wrote a book. And so she's 69. She's older than me. And she's been making a living for a while. Studied with Marcel Marceau. Studied mime. Um, so the question she's asked by Lynn Elber of the AP, who's probably in her 20s or 30s, just guessing, Question, SNL was long criticized for failing to showcase women and include people of color in the cast. What's your perspective on that? Well, obviously she was a woman and Gilda Radner and, you know, so I don't know if that's fair. But her answer is, with regard to our shows, we had 13 writers, three women, 10 men, and it was a meritocracy. No matter what people say, Lauren Michaels was very egalitarian with what went on the show. It was what was funny. It didn't matter who wrote it, who was in it. But the sensibility that the show gained with Tina Fey as the head writer became more female-centric, probably because they had a lot more female writers. Uh, 
So you know, even funny, you know, in the in the in the new world, everything's political. And if there's one thing that you know, the leftist policies don't want it's humor, unless it's making fun of conservatives, of course, which is kind of the Saul Alinsky school of ridicule, which Obama was actually very good at. So, anyway, you know, it's like the rebels of yesterday are now the conservatives of today, which is, I guess, how, how things go. What's next? Here's a lyric from Tom Petty that I really like. You know, I pick up a lot of potpourri here. This is from the trip to Pirate's Cove. She was part of my heart. Now she's just another line on my face. So it goes with romance. Not as romantic as I used to be. Thank God. Now, um... Here's a pickup. I had a little segment, if you will, to flatter the format of this rambling uh, about Hemingway. There was an article in the paper about Hemingway. There's a series about Hemingway uh, that's on PBS. It's one of these Ken Burns things. And let me turn off my let me turn on my Do Not Disturb, which doesn't seem to be working, by the way. Because I was disturbed the other day in the middle of a podcast. But, um, so the Hemingway Foundation is in trouble because nobody cares. Uh, There was a museum which closed, and this is all in Oak Park. Uh, Oak Park's an interesting place because Hemingway was from there, and Frank Lloyd Wright, there's a historic district for Frank Lloyd Wright. I don't know if he lived there. I think maybe he just built a lot of houses there. So international tourism brings about 30% of the visitors to the birthplace of Hemingway, which you can go to. But I would hurry if you wanted to. Hemingway moved uh, contemporary literature at the time, at least, away from sitting rooms and politeness and away from a Eurocentric cult of difficulty that was once defined, that once defined important literature. Um, He is accused of toxic masculinity. And uh, there's a woman actually... Even though he's a toxic male, it seems like a lot of women study him. Maybe to understand the rest of us toxic males, I don't know. And here's one woman who wrote a book about Hemingway's masterpiece, The Sun Also Rises. She says she's not sure she would have written it now. It might have been too daunting. It's no lionization of him. It's an eyes-wide-open look at a complicated person who was a genius but had more than a little poison for anyone who helped him and who inspired a lot of self-destructive devotion in women. It can feel like to admit you like Hemingway, you might as well say you like Woody Allen. So he's another guy who's gotten canceled. Woody. Um... 
His whole life is like a Woody Allen movie. Hemingway's innovations near rearranged the molecular structure of American letters. Erasing him entirely would appear improbable. So they say. Now there's Mary Dearborn, who wrote a book about him, a biography, um, sees his decline as psychotic depression, which I think is probably true. I think three members of his family, other than him, committed suicide. His dad committed suicide, so, you know. And then there's another quote here. All this is really about a hugely talented, complicated man who deserves more than our superficial, conventional wisdom claims he is. This is the person who put together... This is Burns. Burns says, when he started, there was no cancel culture, no Me Too movement. Um, He was born into a family beset by mental illness. Yeah, four of his family took their own lives. Um, and Hemingway, according there, it is reputed that Hemingway said of Oak Park that it was a town of wide lawns and narrow minds, which sounds like my kind of town, except I don't like to mow lawn. Um, he spent his whole life rebelling against Oak Park. He comes from a town that's founded on temperance and became one of the world's most famous drunks. Um, his book when he wrote The Sun Also Rises was panned as filth his dad killed himself in that home so that's spooky even when he was a kid at age 13 he said I intend to travel and write and he sure did that And he was very private about his childhood. He threatened to cancel his mother if she talked to the press. So the same kind of problems that... Uh, here's, a, here's a quote for the Times. You can't grapple with Hemingway without running into issues of, for starters, whiteness and masculinity. So whiteness is now bad and masculinity is bad. Uh, these issues came up during the culture wars of the 80s, and they're in our cancel culture. You know. Contrary to his reputation, many of Hemingway's most incisive scholars now are women. So it's like studying alien life, I suppose. But at one point, if you were a good female academic, you did not study Hemingway. Amazing. And then, uh, oddly enough, his son Gregory preferred women's clothing and began sex reassignment and changed his name to Gloria from Gregory. <laughs> you know, that's interesting rebellion from the ultimate toxic male to a ersatz female. Here's another quote. We close with Hemingway's chapter now. I sometimes do wonder if Hemingway might get canceled, and if funding disappeared and the interest dried up, I suppose I would be sad it happened, but then literary tastes change. 
So it goes. Time makes ancient good uncouth, as they say. And that's it. So that's it for our Hemingway interlude. And I'm not a big fan, but I am writing for a construction-related company now. And I found that they prefer a Hemingway-esque style to a Fitzgerald approach. So I'm kind of using them for that. Now here's a crime report. <clears throat> Chicago sees another spike in shooting. Um, we are not doing well on the shooting scale. Uh, we got a 43% increase in shooting victims over a year earlier. And uh, let's see what else we pull out of this depressing article. They have a goal of 20% reduction, which would probably get them halfway back to where they were. Arnie Duncan is trying to fix this by hiring a bunch of people. And he says, I would love to get rid of all the guns tomorrow. That's not going to happen. We have to give them a reason to put down the guns. Well, that's challenging. Um, I put down here probably more effective to put down the shooters, but that's not going to happen either in this environment, certainly. Uh, many boots on the ground, says Arnie. $36 million worth, and they're more like social workers and such, so I don't know how that's going to go. Now, New York only has a jump of 12% in murders and a 39% jump in shootings. So I guess on the shooting side, they're about the same as we are. In L.A., 28% increase. And, of course, how they compute these statistics. Well, actually, <clears throat> L.A.'s up 93% this year, first quarter. Could be intensified gang or personal conflicts or disputes over illegal drug sales. Uh, they're talking about COVID and George Floyd and uh, the economy and trust in the police eroding. Uh, the cops say it's the criminal justice system that lets people out of jail on home monitoring. I think that's probably a big part of it. And I think the police have kind of laid down, you know, blue flu on the job. Because... You know, what's in it for you to try to stop somebody? And then the poverty and disinvestment and illegal drug use and other issues. Yabba dabba da. Uh, let's see. Most of it is like near South Side, Brownsville, Washington Park. Uh, West side, not so much. So it's mostly a south side thing right now. Spike in carjackings, 370. I'm trying to get my car carjacked, and I can't. I leave it running, you know, because i got to turn it in for a lease, and it's got some body damage. Love to get carjacked. So if you know anybody, um, that's up. that's the highest level since 2001. So it's not like it's never been worse, but... Most of the carjackings are done by shorties, juveniles, under 18, because of the way the criminal justice system treats juveniles. 
it's a national phenomenon, um, and the police superintendent thinks that it's because they're not in school, so they got a lot of time on their hands. I don't know about that. The attendance rates are pretty low when they supposedly are in school. But it gives them a chance to blame somebody else or something else. They're trying data-driven prevention and enforcement, which sounds familiar. They're doing tabletop exercises. That should help. At least it keeps them out of the line of fire. So that's not good. Um, And that, I think, you know, though people who live in the city don't seem to uh, react to that kind of thing. If it stays out of the near north side, particularly in, in Bull Mish, then, and I was down on Michigan Avenue today, and it's starting to come back to life. There's less of a police presence. I think they should get all these barricades and all these Mars lights that are constantly going out of there. Because, you know, as long as the Democrats are in, I don't think we're going to have any riots. You know, some 13-year-old kid got shot by the cops the other day, and there's 50 people showed up to... Now, he was Hispanic, but still, you know, that was a perfect opportunity to come down and loot, and it didn't happen. So I think that that was... A lot of that was driven by anger at Trump and anger at COVID, and that was the same thing, so... Now, front page. Red line... L extension, New Lakeshore Drive around the docket. So everybody's grabbing for the boodle here. Um, they think there's going to be months of haggling, but I don't know. I think they're going to ram it through with reconciliation. Schumer just got a nice ruling from the Senate parliamentarian who now determines the fate of the nation. Um, good. They don't need Republican votes anymore. The wish lists have started. Let's grab the boodle, is my note here. Uh, let's see what they're competing. Lots of competing needs. $20 billion in public transit system repairs, says the RTA. $32 billion funding gap over 30 years just to keep the existing systems maintained and running, which is an extraordinary amount of money. But remember, folks, this is all funny money. So anyway, um, yeah, here's the story about the 13... Oh, no, wait, this is a different story. This is another man shot by police, Anthony Alvarez. A couple of foot chases here. Supposedly, Anthony was armed with a handgun, which is not a good thing to be. Uh, Oh, yeah, Adam Toledo is the the 13-year-old. Armed confrontation. And they're making out like he was an angel, and I don't know. I didn't know the guy, the child, the kid. But uh, during the chase... The person produced a handgun. This is Alvarez. And, you know, cops don't react well to that. Now he's working full-time. So I don't know what's up with that, but evidently he had a side hustle that turned out to be very expensive. Let's see. Now, there's a story about vaccine passports, which I think are fine, and this is why I'm politically homeless. It's like the Republicans are opposed to this, and it's like, look... It's not a government thing. 
It's just a private sector thing. Vaccine passports are an app with a code. Well, why would you want to go someplace with people who haven't been vaccinated? So, good for schools, good for overseas travel, but here's uh, House Majority Leader Kerry Benninghoff. We have constitutional rights and health privacy laws for a reason, so they're trying to make a HIPAA argument out of this. These passports may start with COVID, but where will they end? Well, I would think they would end with COVID, right? I mean, you know, this is just like tinfoil hat people now. And now he's worried about the data being in the hands of megatech organizations who've been hacked. Well, so what if somebody hacks you and they know you've been vaccinated? What are they going to do? Biden's taking a hands-off approach. I, I would actually be more aggressive with that if I were him. You know, I mean, this is why I'm politically homeless. Albert Fox Kahn, director of the Surveillance Technology Oversight Project at the Urban Justice Center, a New York-based civil rights and privacy group, warned that the Excelsior Pass, which is the, the one that New York has, creates a new layer of surveillance without sufficient detail. So, you know, these are the people I'm usually, like, tearing my hair out about. And now the Republicans are on the same bus as them. So both extreme wings of our political spectrum are, like, losing it. There's, like, no common sense. Come on. Well, anyway. Um... The, the podcast is good therapy for me. At least I don't have to pay a psychologist. I can just vent here. Because when I did pay a psychologist, I went to a psychologist for anger management. And, like, I would talk for 45 minutes. And then he'd say, okay, we're done. I'm like, man, I should get this job. Two fifty an hour. So I'm going to look at it this way. It's like talk therapy for myself. And it's about an hour. So it's about the same thing. Okay, so... Uh, I think I talked about this one about Clarence Thomas, uh, or Clarence Page, I'm sorry. Yeah, I did talk about this. Okay, so there were some letters. Uh, Roger Frey, I used to write letters to the Tribune, but I stopped. Um, the WTO has proposed the World Trade Organization... Well, the, the, the World Trade Organization has been asked to temporarily waive patent rights for the formulas for the COVID-19 vaccines. As well as the necessary technology to make them, pharma companies would lose income, of course, says Roger. And it would undermine free enterprise. I mean, he's citing these arguments only to attack them. And he raises the good point, though, you know, why take the risk if you're a pharma company, if you're not going to make any money? Uh, and then he goes on to say, but Big Pharma took no risks developing the COVID-19 vaccines. Really? What about liability? What about diversion of any kind of, all kinds of resources from profitable applications to this? He argues that because the government underwrote the cost, 
they are a precious collective repossession. So it doesn't belong to anybody. Well, that's not true. Pfizer worked with a company called Biontech, which I invested in. And Biontech is a German company. Pfizer didn't take any money from the government. And now we know why. Because if you take federal money, there are big strings attached, and they will use that to yank your IP. And with Moderna, their IP has many, many, many other applications. They did take federal money, I believe, just outright. And much of it, I think, was just guaranteed orders, you know. So it wasn't even like, you know, here's the money. It was like, okay, we'll guarantee that we give you orders. And that I'm uh, that that needs to be fact checked by somebody, not me. I'm not going to bother. But the point is that if you do this, next time there's a problem, pharma companies are going to say, "Well, sorry." Now, Astra did it basically on a nonprofit basis, which is fine. I mean, if they want to do it like that, that's fine. But to start yanking intellectual property, we know where that ends up. You'll end up with no for-profit companies, and then you'll end up with no drugs. That's the problem. Because the government, when you're on public payroll, you have no incentive to actually get anything done. I know. I worked for the census. <clears throat> Cash the checks and don't get fired is the motto of the federal employee. Now, here's the thing about real estate. Where have all the houses gone? Normally... Economists expect rents and home prices to move together in a given community. That's because both respond to the same underlying conditions, a strong labor market, popular amenities, proximity to the ocean. Well, this is for the New York Times. We don't have that here. Proximity to the lake, let's say, to water. When rents and house prices start to diverge, that's usually a sign of something amiss, like a housing bubble inflating. Prices are rising while rents are falling. That's not necessarily a good sign. So that's the end of the real estate portion of the program. Now, let's see, what else do we have? We'll do that later. Dead air, dead air, dead air. Okay, here we go. This is about making money from the Week magazine. Uh, Zillow may want to buy your house, and uh, they mentioned some issues about deducting your home office. So, here's the thing about buyout kings. Let's see what was notable about this. And it talks about these buyout companies that pay themselves dividends and then hang the debt on the company. They borrow money to pay themselves a dividend, then the company can't pay the debt and goes bankrupt. But they don't care, because they already got their money. So that's not one of the finer moments of, of capitalism. That's for sure. Sorting through some stuff here.
Some of this stuff is in the wrong category. Okay, in the past year, rents have fallen 21.5% in San Francisco, 15.5% in New York, and 8.8% in Boston. And I don't know how much here. But that is a sign of the times. I know people personally have moved out of the city. I don't think they're coming back because they work from home, and why should they? Now, since Jeff Bezos took his company public in 97, only one stock has beaten Amazon's 38.4% annualized return. So if you had just bought Amazon in 97, you would be loaded. Buy and hold. But Monster Beverage would be even better off, 41.7%. Uh, if you put $1,000 into it in 97, it would be worth $3.9 million today. So that's the power of equities. And I talked to my financial guy today, by the way, and he's got me 80-20 equity. And I said, fine, and I'm 66. Because bonds aren't working at all, you know? The used to be you'd have a 60-40 portfolio because when the stock market went down, the bond market would go up. For whatever reason, which from time to time I grasp, but not today, that ain't working. So I'm thinking you got to stay out of cash. You got to stay out of debt, bonds, because they don't pay. <laughs> so anyway, Credit Suisse notes that 8% of U.S. adults have at least a million dollars in assets, which means 92% don't. That's 20 million Americans with uh, who are quote-unquote millionaires. So, obviously being a millionaire ain't what it used to be. But still, you know, if you want equity and you divide up their money by 330 then what does that come out to? Probably not much. And if you want to talk about the world, take $7 billion as your denominator and divide up what we've got, and that amounts to nothing. So when you start talking about equity, just understand what you're talking about. Tesla has a lot of Bitcoin, and uh, speculative uses of an industrial company's funds have generally ended badly, as in widespread corporate speculation on Japanese land prices in the 80s. And I think that was Japanese companies that did that. The capital markets have now truly reached ludicrous mode. And they got a picture of Elon Musk there. Now, I think actually Tesla, it's impossible to value rationally. But if you look at the fact that 2% of the country owns electric vehicles and probably 90% will in 20 years, do the math. GM is up from 25 to like 67 because now they're positioning themselves as an electric company and a green portfolio play. And I think Ford is probably the opportunity there because I think you know Ford could screw anything up. And I'm not a fan of the company for personal reasons, but, um, you know, they're going to have to do the same thing. So they got nowhere to go but up. I don't know that I'd hop on GM right now. 
Okay. Yeah, we may be pretty much clearing the decks here, folks. Because I see that I've got a lot of things here that don't look like podcast material. Oh, wait. Yeah, I think that's it. So, uh, with that, we'll sign off. Just a little cleanup day. Uh, the S&P is basically unch. The Dow is basically unch. Uh, NASDAQ is a little down. Just unch. They're all unch. Unchanged. So, baseball card maker Tops is going public with a $1.3 billion SPAC deal. That's news. So given this collectible thing, an NFT thing, which is a non-fungible token, that guy Beeple sold his digital art for $69 million. you know, tops might be a top pick for the day. So anyway, with that, we will sign off, and uh, only a half an hour out of your life, uh, less than a therapy session for your host, and certainly cheaper. Save myself two fifty. So thank you for being my virtual therapists. Uh, live long, prosper, wear a mask, or don't, if you got vaxxed. I would still, I have shifted from an N95 to a regular uh, medical surgical mask, because it's a lot more comfortable, even though I am supposedly bulletproof. 90% is not 100%, folks. So uh, we'll talk to you next time we are so inclined. Take care. Bye-bye.